Hi, you're listening to Becoming Whole podcast with Claire Bradshaw, where I explore with my guests what it means to lean into living a life of wholeness and connectedness, a life where all parts of ourselves, our body, mind and spirit come into alignment, where we're truly living into our own personal values. So if you're a seeker, a feeler or someone wanting more from your precious life, then tune in every fortnight and let's get inspired together. Hello and welcome to another episode of Becoming Whole podcast with Claire Bradshaw. And today is the 20th episode, which is just super exciting. Um, I'm having a little happy dance here because, you know, setting up and delivering this podcast has been such a huge challenge for me personally. Um, I've had to confront a whole lot of fears, a whole lot of resistance to, you know, starting it in the first instance, but also showing up and um, doing it. So I really hope that these interviews are really supporting you on your journey um, because I'm absolutely loving um, creating the connections and sharing them with you. So you may be familiar with Alice. She's a nutrition and functional health expert a doTERRA presidential diamond leader and a women's mentor from the whole daily. She believes that when women wake and remember their real potential, stop numbing their lives and strip back the complicated everythings like feelings, nourishment, relationships, then life will just be so much more soul yes. She's co-created world-leading nutrition courses, created and hosted the five-star iTunes-rated podcast, All Rise Up, and has built a million-dollar-a-year network marketing business in only two years, while leading a team of thousands of women who see their own illuminated light alongside her. And I think this podcast interview is really going to resonate with a lot of us. Um, Alice's story of rising from adversity and using the challenges that she experienced and the learnings um, to really grow herself personally and then also within her business. She talks about how we can use our, um, our weaknesses to become our strengths. So the challenges that we experience in life, we can use them in order to grow and share that light with others. Um, she talks about how we don't have to become the victim to our circumstances and how it's time. It's time for all of us women to rise up from the um, challenges that we have experienced and support one another in order to do so. Um, a message that I wholeheartedly also agree with. Let's get to this interview. You will probably notice I am slightly excited in this interview. I'm doing a lot of hell yeah, and um, and there's lots of kind of weird laughter from me. But anyway, if you can bear that, then I think that you're going to absolutely enjoy this episode. So let's get to it. Hi, Alice. Great to have you on the show today. Hello, Claire. How are you? It's so good to be here. Great to have you on the show, and I'm doing very well today. Thank you. Um, so let's... Um, get stuck in and talk about your journey um, to, you know, physical um, and emotional sort of well-being and your health journey to date. Okay, so uh, I'm 36 years old. I'm the mum of two daughters and I live in Melbourne in Australia. Currently, we're looking at warming, moving to warmer climates at the end of this year, but I'm here now. 
Um, I would say that over the last, so I'm 36 now, over the last 10 years, I have uh, experienced a really beautiful upwards trajectory in my, in my physical, emotional health and my overall well-being, my, my whole health or holistic health. Uh, it really pays to kind of take a huge step all the way back to my childhood to um, to see where that's come from, why there has been a cause, you know, over the last 10 years to actually take a big solid look at that and do a lot of personal development work there. Um, and so I was born in the country um, in South Gippsland. Both of my parents were uh, living under the poverty line. So my, my dad didn't have a job. My mum, they'd been living in a teepee in northern New South Wales and, and moved back to Victoria to live in an old farm shed where my mum had myself and my twin sister, Hayley. Um, my mum really struggled. Like they had no social circle around them. My dad didn't have work. And she had twin girls that were just hanging off her 100% of the time. Uh, her mental health suffered and she sunk into addictions, drug addiction and alcohol addiction uh, when my sister and I were young. So my parents divorced. Um, my mum was lucky to survive our childhood. So she was in and out of rehab, rehab or rehabilitation centers and detoxes and um, you know, uh, involuntary and voluntary admission rehabs when we were in our late, late childhood years or late, you know, late tens to early teens. We're really blessed now that she's been sober for a couple of decades, but obviously growing up in that household, it wasn't a great experience for witnessing a woman in her empowerment. You know, there was so much victimhood, addiction comes with lies and distrust and um, playing oh so small, you know, and it is a disease. It's not, there is uh, lots that needs to be learned about it. I think just for the lay person, it's not the time to talk about it now, but um. Mm -hmm. You know, my sister and I didn't really grow up in a household where we were taught that, you know, we could be anything we wanted to be and to dream big because my parents were literally just struggling to, to survive in all honesty. Um, in that same household that we were growing up in and, and mum was in addiction, there was, um, you know, there was physical and emotional abuse in the house, not, not between my father and her, but, but between my mum and, and other people. And so, you know, by the time I hit teenage years, I was just... I had so much probably anger and so much pain inside me that there was a lot of habits that I'd seen growing up that I started to um, mirror in my own life. So, you know, I was drinking until blackout from when I was 14 years old and um, there was never a time, I don't think in my whole life, uh, I can I can say uh, inequivocably, there's never a time in my whole life where I haven't um, been the person who started drinking or started drugging and ended up, you know, in total, um, blackout. That's just, that's, that's what I did. And, uh, I think, you know, there was so many times that I tried to moderate that, you know, I was smart and I was doing well at school and then that got in the way of doing well at school. I just wanted to be seen, you know, I just wanted to be seen and I was in so much pain, um, Somehow, and I think that this can, uh, it can be very similar for addicts and very similar for people who have that compulsion towards numbing, right? So I'm talking about not just specifically drugs or alcohol, but a compulsion towards numbing with work or with uh, even attention, you know, like I remember I used to be an A plus student. I was the teacher's pet. Like I just wanted to be seen and to have that recognition. Um, so somehow I think because of that compulsion, not just to negative addictions, but to, uh, towards almost positive things like excelling or achieving, 
I still kept rising up in my corporate career, but I was also a freaking mess. Like I was working, um, I ended up working as a sales manager for a large um, Silicon Valley based um, software as a service company. I used to work for one in Seattle and one in, in Silicon Valley and I was doing really well. And I was wearing a, a, a suit to work every day and I was, you know, I'm quite short. So I was like a short blonde woman in a suit and stilettos and like I looked great, um, but I would have been feeling like I would have been hungover. I was probably hungover 100 days a year. You know, it was horrible. Mm. Uh, my mind was mash uh, and I was just getting by. Um, everything on the outside looked fine. I had what people thought that they wanted and I was a mess. Um, I, I, I have to believe that it's, um, I've often used this story or parts of this story to show that, Hey, look what can happen. You know, look how much success people can have when they rise out of adversity. But of course, now that I'm older, I'm so willing to say that the only reason that I've achieved, well, not the only reason, let me rephrase that. One of the, the greatest reason that I've achieved this success is because of what I experienced as a child. It's because of that those hardships that I faced that helped me to see when things are going really, really beautifully. Um, I had dropped out of uni twice out of two health and nutrition degrees because I was clubbing too much. I was out too much. I was not focused. I was focusing on, on killing myself, I think pretty much. <laughs> and I just you know, felt this desire to go back to it. Like I was mm. sitting in my office on the 31st floor on South Bank in Melbourne. And I was supposed to be working with this, you know, selling HR management software. And I saw an ad pop up for health coaching. And I remember calling the school in New York city and I remember just booking in and paying for it on the spot. And it just was mm. the start. It was the first ripple. And so that was back in 2000 and it might've been 2011. Um, and it was just the first ripple. So from there I finished um, my health coach qualifications. I got really immersed in environmental medicine and mindfulness practices as well. And understanding that, I went back to school and started studying at the Australian Institute of Applied Science, uh, naturopathy, nutrition, biomedical sciences. And I got sober and that played a huge role. And um, it's like connecting dots and it's dominoes all at the same time. It's all of these things that just compounded and doubled down, like one decision to open one door created another decision to open another door. And once I'd walked through enough doors, I realised I had to share what it was like walking through these doors. Because honestly, I went from imprisonment of, in guilt and shame and humiliation and, and put that on cycle for 15 years, you know, put, put that on cycle for nearly 15 years of your life. So I was, I was flat and I, I went from there to feeling like, honestly, I had more energy and more creativity and my brain was working and everything was clear. Like this, this limitlessness mm. was so clear. Um, and so from then, I think it's just uh, the way that I do my work now, it really is in complete humility and, and um, being humbled by the opportunity that's available to me that I finally saw I could actually get. And I think that it's a gratitude to that, like that force of nature that helped me to open those doors which is why I want other people to feel like that and why my business and the work that I do every single day, um, you know, the goal of that is to, is to help more women open up that door and they don't have to be, you know, addicts or alcoholics and get sober to do it. They could just be feeling like, is this it, mm. you know, but still we can create that, that expansion for them as well or help to 
help them see it in themselves. So physical, I mean, all the, all the health things that you could imagine, like I have been there, I have flushed my butt. I have put water up my noses. (laughs) I have like done the infrared saunas. I do the mushroom lattes, the fat bombs, like, you know what, Mm -hmm. all that stuff I'm doing it, but the mindfulness stuff and the meditation and the good relationships and the expanding in my creativity, like all of the quadrants that I see as holistic health, it's physical, it's emotional, it's spiritual, it's mental, it's creative. All of those things sit really well and evenly mm. within my life now. And that's good. And I want other people to feel like that. So sure. um, that's where I was. That's where yeah. I am today. Interesting. There's so much, um, so much uh, juiciness in your story. And I think, you know, uh, to, to break it down and to kind of like actually see the journey from the start to where you are now makes so much sense as to kind of why you're doing what you're doing, but also, um, you know, what's the driving, what, you know, what's the driving force behind it, you know, and how can you use your experiences to help others as well to rise up? So I think that's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. And so it sounds like from, you know, quite a young age, you were always interested in health. Mm-hmm. But then there was almost like the light and the dark happening together. So you had the, the light of kind of being drawn towards the health foods and all of that. But then the dark was kind of almost overshadowing that for a while until it sounds like one day you just had kind of like a, a moment where yeah. it was like something shifted. Um, yeah. And do you remember what specifically it was that kind of hit you to kind of go, now is the time? Yeah. I mean, it was already, and this is, I think this is a really, this is really important to note. Um, it was when I was already in the work. I think this is a really Mm. important thing to note, right? right? I didn't have an epiphany and then start Uh the work. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think far too many people wait for that and expect that. I think expectation kills opportunity. And I think that when we expect that the, the, you know, the, I think when we expect the meteor to fall out of the sky or the like the pot of gold to just be like bang and it lands at our feet and we're just like, I'm waiting tomorrow, next year, you know, when we put everything into the future and expect from others, uh, anything external, it doesn't come like that. So first there's a decision regardless of how you feel, right? So something felt wrong to me. Like I, I was, I was awake enough to know that this is not all right. You know what's happening and so in that space of feeling like it wasn't okay, I just made a decision. I just made a decision to say yes to something different, right? Because if mm-hmm. we wake up every single day and we feel flat every single day, but we do the same thing every single day, like don't be surprised if your life ends up like that and then you die, which you know, mm-hmm. is another big thing. We don't talk mm-hmm. about death. We, don't, yeah. we, have, we have lives we don't like. We, we fear talking about death. So that somehow gives us the excuse to go through the whole life, not liking our life. And then we die, which is just so horrifying to me. Yeah. Um, so I made the decision before, uh, whilst I was, uh, sorry. So I made the decision to make a change. And in that, I kept saying, yes, I kept doing the study. I kept doing the work for me. It was as simple as Oh my gosh, one of my practices, which was so incredibly simple, was I used to, um, and this was probably made easier by the fact I had a newborn at the time, I used to walk from one end of my street to the other as slowly as I could with my daughter in the pram. And I used to um, attempt to notice as much Mm. as I could, just notice. And I remember like this could be something like I get to the second pavement block and there is a line of ants walking past, walking along the path and I would stay there and watch those ants. I know this sounds mental, but watch those ants 
for 10 minutes and just Mm. be there. And I remember about a month into, you know, this is really mindfulness practice, right? And I remember about a month into that, I remember so clearly um, opening the front door of our house that we were living in at the time. And there was, there was always a big tree out the front in the, in the front yard. And I remember the sunshine dappling through those leaves. And I remember staring across the street and Neville, who was our 95 year old neighbor across the street, kind of walked out of his front door and potted around. And I remember everything being in hyper color, just so vivid, everything so vivid. And it was like, that was like the awakening, that moment. And understanding that the only reason I had come to that awakening was because each day before I'd reached it, I'd chosen to do the work and be in it before I felt it, you know? Mm. Um, And so, yeah, but I'll never forget that moment. Gosh, it was beautiful. Never passed Mm. away, not too much long after, but that's one of my one of my favorite moments in knowing yeah. how different we can just experience things in our minds mm. and in our, in our lives. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Oh, that's beautiful. And then, so you were, you were doing the mindfulness work and you had your daughter and then did you go back to corporate after that? I didn't. Uh, no. Good question. Um, so that would have been Holly. So I would have gone back for a year. Right. And during yeah. that time, during that time, I didn't actually, no, no, I didn't. During I would have been on maternity leave then and I had an mm. interview at my old company. I, I started teaching and sharing what my experiences were through an mm-hmm. e-course that I did at the time called Life Transformation Project. I literally, like you want to talk about doing it before you know what you're doing. Um, yeah. There is a blessed, there is something blessed about the naivety in humans. You know, if we mm. don't know what we're doing, honestly, frankly, that's the best time to do it because we don't have a realization of how hard it's going to be, how much effort it's going to take and the new things we're going to have to learn. So on that maternity leave, I taught myself how to build a website, um, create digital products and eBooks through, through all of the Adobe creative suite, like InDesign, Photoshop. Um, I was working with, um, a web platform called PageLines DMS and, and doing websites. Like I would be awake when Ruby was awake, when Ruby was awake and I would be teaching myself until 1am in the morning. And then I launched this e-course and three people bought it. And then, um, I taught them about those experiences that I was having with mindfulness and with sobriety and with physical wellbeing. Nutrition Mm. was always a part of it because I was so deeply and have always been deeply um, intrigued by what we eat and functional medicine. And, um, and then I think the next, maybe a year later, you know, 300 people were in that, were in that wow. life transformation course. And so that was really incredible. And I had a meeting with my, my manager um, and he said, we've got a new job for you. Like, we want you to come back. Here's your perks. And they were great perks. You know, it was always global travel and a big salary. And, and I said, I don't need to come back. I've got the business and it's, it's working and I love it. And mm. that, was it. that was it. And I've never worked. I'm un- I love to say I'm totally unemployable now. I, I doubt <laughs> I will ever work for another human again. I am totally free. Um, I just need my laptop and my phone and that's beautiful. Awesome. So, 
So, so great. And, um, and so on this journey, obviously I know that you've done a lot of inner work. Um, so we talked about mindfulness. What other things have you done along the way to kind of, cause you said that growing up, you know, you were in a family that, um, you know, your mum was kind of in a bit more of a victim um, space and, you know, with, um, drugs and, um, addictions and things like that. How did you, what, what things have you done in your life and practices that have really helped to bring you out of that place so that you can do and show up and do the great things that you're doing? Yeah. Okay. So, um, I think this is a really important time to mention that when I was a child and we were on, um, like mum was on a disability pension, uh, we were taught unconsciously that Mm. you don't need money. You just need love. You know, you don't need money, you just need love. And my mum would borrow money from all of her friends and she would never be able to pay it back now and now and everything would get cut off time and you don't need money you just need love and yet we were you know my sister and I were often left at school uh while the other kids went on school excursions because my parents wouldn't be able to afford it so we'd be left in the library you know like that was horribly humiliating mm. um and so and there was also an unconscious teaching toward to us that you know you don't need money you just you just need love but also that rich people are assholes right there is something mm. bad about rich people and we see this in in um like i'm an 80s baby but we see this in the fairy tale world scrooge mcduck you know he dives into yeah. his pot of gold and he's an absolute total a-hole you know mm. um you we think about our cartoons and we think about the media and we think about what children have been taught since they were young about what rich really means like rich you know and we're taught that it's the the cruel person is the rich person, right? Yeah. Whoever Cruella Deville cuts puppy skins off, and she's rich, and that's why she's a total bitch. Like it's, mm. hor- it's horrible what's happened to that. Mm. So um, I grew up thinking rich people were not a, not nice people. They never had to work for anything in their lives. Everything was on a silver platter. And I also had this innate idea that I had my lot in life, and my mm. lot in life was less than financially in particular, like, um, but you don't need money. You just need love. So I always battled these Mm. figuring out what that even meant, being a smart person and trying to understand that I think I'm always going to be, uh, that I think I'm always going to be struggling financially, but I should learn to totally be okay with that because you don't need money. You just need love. And isn't love so much more important. So it's this, it's a real struggle. And I see this Mm. in women and in business and in solo business um, entrepreneurs, especially in women and especially in the spiritual realm, like, you know, the yoga community and, and, and other, um, practitioners in this space. But, um, oh my gosh, I've just gone so completely off track. Um, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to ask you what your question was again. I was like, I'm just yeah, it's um, it was the inner work. So, um, you know, oh, yeah. what okay. kind of inner work have you done to kind of get you to this space? And this is yeah. what I was trying to talk about that for. So, uh, because one of the things that I did that I would recommend to everyone is that there is a guided meditation series by Abraham Hicks or read by Esther Hicks, and um, they literally changed my life. I mm-hmm. listened to there's an app called Into the Vortex. Um, it's got four meditations on it. It's so they're all 15 minutes each and they are based around the law of attraction. And there is a relationship, so physical well-being, a general well-being and a financial, uh, well-being, uh, uh, spoken meditation. And 
I would listen to those every day. Sometimes mm. if I couldn't sleep, I would listen to three in a row and it just rewired my brain. But Amazing. mindfulness was mm. huge. Um, I read Eckhart or tried to read Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now, um, gosh, many years ago. And I remember throwing it against a wall thinking this is the biggest BS I've ever, I like nothing makes sense. I and then the when, I, yeah. when I was in the right spot for it, mm. came back three years later and I was like, wow, this book is written for me. Everything makes total sense. So <sighs> Um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power mm. of Now gave me the ability to understand these two voices in my head and to recognize the unconscious thought and the conscious thought and to understand that I can hear the, the unconscious thought and if I just pause for that moment, I can have a conversation with myself around what that unconscious thought means, what it's doing, what's, how it's driving, what I do next. And if I need to, put a buffer between them and actually allow my conscious decision-making and the power we have as humans to come into it so that I'm dri driven more by me, my soul, not by fear and that egoic thought. And so um, Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now and that, that ability mm. to recognize unconscious thought, um, you know, Abraham Hicks's um, guided meditations, mindfulness and yeah. nutrition and mm. nutrition. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, I have beautiful healing practices in my life, such as uh, using functional foods as medicine, using essential oils and herbs to make sure my physical and emotional health is where it needs to be and to protect my family and to reduce, quite mm. frankly, really dangerous chemicals that we have around us that disrupt people's emotional state and immune state as well. So, yeah. um, and choosing to have good people in my life, you know, yeah. it's all choices. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. And I like how you um, describe that. It's like it's a combination of many different things. It's not just one thing that you do. It's actually mm. a number of different things in different facets of your life. Um, beautiful. I had a similar situation with the power of now as well, and I found it so interesting to kind of reflect back on it. Um, before I did my yoga teacher training, I'd re I was recommended it, and I tried to read it. I read about maybe 20 or 30 pages, and I was like, I don't get it. I don't understand mm. it. It's boring. La, la, la. And then I did my teacher training and lots of things happened over, you know, three or four months. And then I don't know, one day I was just sitting on the couch and I grabbed it and then I couldn't put it down. And it just really, I was blown away by how much my mind must have changed. Something had shifted hugely within myself to one, not be able to understand a word that he's saying to then a few months later, be able to like not put it down. It's just incredible. I agree with you. Yeah. And I think it's a book that just, mm -hmm. you have to be in the right place. There's another book, actually, my favorite book I've ever read in my entire life. I, if, it's, if there's one book that has changed my life more than any others, I would hope that I would have already got those lessons from Eckhart because mm -hmm. the book I would have to choose would be Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love. Oh, that's the other one. Yep. Mm. Oh, it is life changing. Every mm. woman, every woman should read it. Mm. I have actually purchased and sent that book to more people than any other book. And I've also had that book thrown back at me metaphorically by just as many people because women especially are so triggered by the idea that they have complete control and power over what happens to them in life, even the shit things or even the, sorry, even mm. the terrible things. Mm. Um, and the concept of releasing expectation from anybody, including your loved ones, spouses, husband, partner, lover, mm. kids, 
know, releasing expectation on what you think they should be doing. They should love me. They should stay. They should, you know, like that really triggers a woman who's not in her power. And that Mm. book is magic. So Mm. magic. Yeah, I, I I completely agree with every word that you said. Then it was a hugely transformative book, and um, for me as well, love it. I need to read it again. I think um, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And I think the other thing that you said that was really interesting, and it's something that I suppose has been a big thing in in my life over the last um, couple of years, which is this place where the you start to identify what is the unconscious thought and start to hear it. And then there's this space between hearing it and then the response, like you were saying. And, um, and then actually you get to understand what's, what's been ruling your life up until this period of time. And then like what you said, it's like you notice it, you hear it, and then you choose to respond in a different way. Um, and you choose to listen to the, the wisdom that's coming up through you, through the soul, through the heart, rather than actually reacting in this exactly the same way. Because if we are, if 95% of what happens in our life is run by the um, subconscious and we're not aware of it, then, well, you know, we're not going to live that life of our dreams unless we actually, you know, break that down and, and start to do practices like mindfulness that helps to create that space between the cause and effect. Um, Yeah, I fully, fully agree with you on that one. It's a big one. It's a deeper life that you live because Mm. the thing is that is, and I know that you would be aware of this as well. Once you cotton onto this realization and then you can Mm. hear it, you can't be numb to that anymore, right? Like you, once you recognize that there is a control that you have over circumstances not only then do you have a responsibility to your own life to listen and act on what you now know, but also it makes living in a world where a lot of people are totally numbed and tapped out to that. It, it creates complexities, complexities around that because, you know, I experienced now and I still do incredible frustration with my mother who's, you know, sober 23 years, but still also playing really small. And so I hear, mm. I listen to her and because I know how her mind is working, like I know how yeah. it's working, I will hear something come out of her mouth and I'll say, can't you hear how crazy that is? Can you yeah. hear the story that you're telling yourself? Like it's so crystal clear to me how it's a figment of just a, you know, it's like the wheel that's just gone around for 60 years is still going around. And so then it means that you have to, you either have to accept what what frustrates the absolute bejeepers out of you because you it's not your role to change and control other people you have to either accept it or you have to actually and this can happen a lot in relationships and with people and friendships you have to elevate yourself out of that like you have to yeah. then say the choice the painful choice i have to make is now that i need to step into a different season of my life and only have um the people around me that are going to elevate me, you know, like it's energetic. They don't mm. elevate you. You put yourself into a circumstance where you feel elevated, I should say. Um, mm. And that feed, that's, that's actually, um, I mean, that's science in itself because you've got, uh, you know, the vibrational frequency of human beings. Yeah. How, going off on a tangent here, but it's so crazy because mm. the human, everything living vibrates at a frequency measured in megahertz, mm. right? And so the healthy human brain, I work with essential oils every day and I love these so much. And so I love the idea of essential oils or, and or humans and our vibrational frequencies. 
because, um, you know, I, I find that because I work from home and I work on my own, if I'm not teaching regular essential oil classes, I can oftentimes isolate myself because working at home and talking to people all day, even, you know, in this type of scenario, it's not the same as mm. being in the space with another energetic body that's vibrating with a certain frequency. So I go to events where these, these high, uh, like high vibing people quite, quite, quite literally. And I feel amazing. Like I actually, you know, sometimes I leave them and I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm totally spent because you've taken all that energy there and you've, you've added that to the room. Mm. And then, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's so amazing. And then, you know, you put, say if you and I were in the room together and we were both talking about Marianne Williamson and her return to love, both of our vibrational frequencies are bouncing off each other. And then, I mean, just to get a little bit more woo-woo, then you can add, you know, we, we have our healthy human brain vibrating at a frequency of around, you know, 75 to 85 megahertz, I think, or something around there. Um, and then you have something like a frankincense essential oil, which vibrates mm. at a megahertz of 350. And it's oh. like, if you're just chatting about Marianne Williamson, dripping on some frankincense essential oil, like the roof would be rising. You know, we yeah. have these abilities to use our own energy mm. and then Mother Nature's uh, more mother nature creations to rise mm-hmm. that frequency in our lives it's very exciting awesome I'm awesome a crazy person no no i love it i love it so let's let's move on a little bit and um start to talk about the oils but i do have a question before we do so yes. what is because you know you have your web, your um, website and it's called the whole daily and this podcast is called becoming whole and um, so what does living a whole life mean to you Oh, it's, for me, I'm always looking at, it's multifaceted, right? Mm. So uh, it is my, I actually have a, I had, a, I wrote it down yesterday, what the actual things are that I want to make sure I have, um, you know, if you were rating them on a scale of mm. one to 10, I want yes. them to be closer to 10, right? In fact, mm. I'm aiming for all of these areas in my life to be a seven or above. And so a whole life to me. And please know all of these change all the time Mm, Yeah, because everything has its seasons, everything has its light and its shade. But if we took it all and covered it over a year or two years, you want it. I want them to be skirting the edges of the seven to 10. Right. Mm. And so the things I'm looking for, the things I'm looking to increase, um, are joy, spirituality, creativity, finances, career, education, health, physical activity, home cooking, home environment, relationships, and social life. And I know health, obviously, could cover so many different things, but Mm. physical health, emotional health, and then, of course, I'm going to bring spiritual health into that too. Um, But I always want to focus on making these these things feel good. Um, And I have created, you know, I'm so grateful that I was aware and woke and willing Mm enough to do the work to get to a space now that I'm in my life where I have financial security and freedom enough to say, where are these things sitting? Where's spirituality sitting? Where's joy sitting? Where's health and home environment sitting? And Mm. do I need to do something with that? And then having the means to do that. Um, So whether it's more, you know, creating more time, whether it's um, investing in education or investing in, um, a coach of some description. It could be just a masseuse like I did on the weekend who totally mm. helped me save nice. my ass. 
Um, you know, but it's all of these things and it's investing in these mm. and it's being aware of them as well. So yeah. I want them all to be, to be high. Yeah. Yeah. And is it something that you look at kind of on a regular basis and you kind of check in with yourself a bit like the, um, I, I've also studied at IIN um, and mm. the health coaching and, um, and they, yeah. you know, we yeah. work on the circle of life, you know, which has those kind of different components to it, you know, that makes up our whole life. And, um, and then, you know, always but every whether it's three months or however often just checking in with that is it like oh you know are things how I want them to be or are there some things that I need to kind of work on to bring them back into more of a balanced way based on how I want to live my life yeah Um, for sure yeah so is that something that you look at kind of quite regularly yeah I don't have specific times I do it I just Mm. I intuitive my gut tells me always yeah and the things that will typically come up for me will be play Mm. Um, play is a really big one, like getting more creativity and getting more play in my life. And then, uh, family time because my husband and I both work from home, but we both have a separate office in our home Mm. and we both are really hard workers. Um, you know, we, we both put a lot in and so he, I love my sport and my, my, you know, feeling good and physically exerting myself. He's a cyclist and he rides on weekends. So sometimes we find ourselves Uh, you know tagging each other with the kids on a weekend and um so I'm always like my gut will always give me a warning like no there's got to be a whole day where we're spending from morning to night together and um you know with play I get that a lot as well because I mean if I this may be a little bit different than the common the cause not the common folk the non-addicts amongst us but a very um, and look, I don't know how closely tied this is to my addictive personality, but I will oftentimes feel the need to flee if things are too good, you know, like it's that upper limit, upper limiting problems. Mm. Um, and so I have to always readdress my darkness at every level. I, I have great success in my life and in my business, but every time I achieve a new level of success, I, uh, consciously sit with that and see how I feel. And I'm so aware of when that urge to flee from that success, which will for me look like something like checking out or numbing out or running, you know, like, um, and I'm aware of that, but I think that that's Mm. just, that's that, that's the relationship with the unconscious thought. It's like the fact that I can actually say, I feel when this is coming is Mm. rare for those who haven't dived into that that work on their own mind, I suppose, mm. which is actually simple work. It's not, yeah. it's yeah. just, it takes, it takes daily practice. That's all. For sure. It's, it's just showing up and doing, yeah. you know, whether it's a bit of meditation or some mindfulness and yeah, it's just creating that space, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for all of that to come through. Whereas yeah, if we're just totally. busy filling up every minute of every day, we don't actually allow that stuff to come into the lights so that we can, we can see it and just break it down. So um, true. Yeah, it's, it's really, really, really fascinating. And I think, you know, that's so interesting what you were saying about how um, you would, you know, you'd look at the, um, you know, when you got up to that kind of upper limit and you you know yourself so well to know that okay i need to create some space around this because i know how in the past i've reacted so yeah. then your your patterns are interrupting you're not allowing that same pattern to keep replaying um yeah. and um you know which which is huge which is massive love that 
Um, so let's um, let's talk about the magic of essential oils and this mm. beautiful company um, that you've really, you know, um, you're so connected with. In some ways, I think of you as, you know, Mrs. Doterra <laughs> um, <laughs> yourself, because um, you know you really have embraced um, these oils in every single facet of your life. Um, I came to your house. Ooh, was it about two years ago? Um, and um, I think it was one of your first um, uh, openings of your home and you were talking about the oils and it was just brilliant. And I could yeah. just really see um, the passion just beaming straight out of you. Um, so tell me kind of how the oils came into your life. Oh, this is so amazing that you asked me this question today because um, when I felt pulled, once I got my new laptop and I felt pulled to write something and release mm. something. So I, I have this beautiful essential oils uh, team that I work with. So um, with doTERRA essential oils, we're the largest essential oil company in the world. Out of our nearly 7 million customers, 88% of those, those customers are really just loved up oils users. But then doTERRA also, the way that we market is through direct selling. So there's a really small percentage of our customer base who also then sell the oils. Um, and I'm one of those 11%. Um, and so I got asked this week by, uh, Brittany Sterling, who is the daughter of one of doTERRA's founders, Dave Sterling, you know, how did you start working with doTERRA? And I trot out a story in class and I really kick myself because now I'm like, is the story I'm saying to people true? Because, you know, I say, I was sent three oils in the post by my girlfriend, Tara Bliss, and this is all true. And it was on guard and it was balance and it was grapefruit. And I really didn't like the smell of balance and on guard at the time. I didn't understand them. Um, but the grapefruit was amazing. And I purchased a home essentials kit to make my office smell great. Now the second bit is there where I'm like questioning, is this the reason I bought the home essentials kit? Because when Brittany asked this of me, how did you, how did this happen? Um, I feel like there's a really big amount of almost like fuzz. Like I can't, there, there's a month before doTERRA, there's a month before I started, which is really clear to me. I remember what I was doing. I remember what digital course I was launching. And then there's a, then I remember the month where I was all in, you know, like this company is amazing. My mission, vision and values are so aligned with this mm. product and with the ethos of this company. I'm all in. I remember that. And I remember before. But that two months where I got the three oils and then I, I can't remember why I bought the kit. I really don't think I can. And I, and in that, without being of a religious denomination, but also believing in a higher power, I think I must because um, I've dodged a few, I've dodged death a few times. I'm like a cat in a way. Um, <laughs> I must believe that there was something greater that was conspiring. And that was, again, the domino effect or connecting dots as my friend Tara calls it, something greater had happened or maybe it was just as great as I was, mm. as in that I all think that I think we're all bigger than our bodies. I think we're all much greater than we have any conscious understanding of. Yeah. Something happened and doTERRA came into my life and, or, and <laughs> if you picture yourself or picture me like a blob of like slime <laughs> and one bit of slime goes into the, and it just, it just so seamlessly merges and they all just come together. That was kind of like what it was. It was, um, it was everything that I, that I do truly value and mm. how I would in my, both my personal life and what I want to teach and educate the world with it all existed within 
how this company does business and the products that they produce. And so I was already, um, I had already been in sales. I was obviously launching and selling my digital products in the health and wellbeing space. Um, and then teaching other, other people how to do the same thing. And then all of a sudden there was a company that, it, that was truly changing the way that business operates in the world, you know, where profit wasn't more important than quality of product in helping improve the health of the world and the health of those in the world who currently don't have decisions um, and who don't have access to literally what, what you and I have today, knowing that we're just, you know, we're on a zoom call right now recording. Like if we've got this, we've literally got access to, to everything. Um, this conscious enterprise was so big and so great. And I just went in this rabbit hole of research and everything I found out about the company just, um, brought tears to my eyes. I might've cried mm. in the class you came to, cause I used to cry in every single one of my first classes talking about this company. And so, I mean, I'll just really quickly paint a picture of what I was doing with my health blog at the time. You know, I was mm. writing a lot of posts about, um, I've always been really, uh, interested in gut health, immune health, functional medicine or functional foods, you know, healing ourselves or allowing the body space to heal itself by, by freeing it from processing junk. Um, and instead processing beautiful, natural, healing, healthy mother nature foods. And so you take an essential oil from um, the most, you know, well looked after plants growing organically in the world. Um, and you take a piece of mother nature and you apply it to yourself or you inhale it or you pop a drop in your food to flavor it. So we are mother nature. And then we are also using mother nature to support emotionally, physically, and spiritually um, this, the slime thing again, it's a terrible analogy, but like literally I'm never going to use it again. But it, it, it twines so well. Mm. And for me, for me, it's not almost like it's not adding things to your life. It's freeing the mind, the body, and then giving freedom to the people who say yes and choose to, um, to also become an advocate for what this message is. Like it's not mm. becoming an advocate for sales. It's becoming an advocate for sharing well-being into the world because uh, when you do crowd in and you would know that concept as well from IAM, which I love that mm. concept, you know, mm. crowding, it's not about saying don't have this, don't have that, don't have that. It's about saying yes to the things that are going to improve your well-being because once you do that, it's, you don't have the room anymore to fit in the things that negatively harm you. And so um, when, you um, when you couple great nutrition, uh, then essential oils for emotional and physical support, plus uh, great people, you know, and, mm. and everything else that I spoke about, it, it just, it seamlessly fits into where I feel the world truly needs the most support right now. And I think because of the business model, so because we take the oils into like you came to my house, you mm. know, because we share this message uh, in private houses and lounge rooms and webinars and yes, sure. On social media and things like that. We're very proud of that. It's a message that must be taken in that one on one environment because the product has, to, it lends itself to, to having a physical experience. Um, you know, I've been in private lounge rooms where I've seen a woman put a drop of frankincense on her hand and she'd been experiencing some, um, terrible things in her life and you know it's the oil of truth and light uh, from a physical perspective it's incredible for neurological support um, and releasing and expanding I'm trying to be compliant mm. here um, and she had such an incredible experience in that moment on that day and so we have to keep taking these messages to people one-on-one -on -one and mm. in classes it's so important it's so needed because quite frankly 
I call it the machine, you know, where mm. we grew up with this mainstream media, mainstream marketing, uh, we will not hear these messages that need to be shared through that because truth is not louder than dollars right now. Um, mm. And so it, it's, it's what the world needs and it's, um, it's mm. absolutely emerging of strong values, a strong mission, uh, strong morals, an incredible product and a heart, I think, and soul. Yeah. Too. That's really important. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, you know, like, like you're saying, it's, you know, the, the company of doTERRA, it's, it fits within all of those different areas. And it actually seems quite magical because, um, you know, years ago I used to work in corporate marketing in processed food. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I love so, that though, that you did that. <laughs> Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I've seen all of the dirt that goes on in the background and it's interesting because, um, you know, how accepted, you know, that type of job was and, you know, and then I've stepped into a completely different, um, you know, way of living and working and things like that. And, you know, a lot of the people who I worked with in that space, uh, don't see what I'm doing now as, you know, being as acceptable, which is really interesting. But mm-hmm. actually what, you know, so for example, a company like doTERRA, you're working with, um, you know, the, the plants, you know, the, the extractions of these beautiful plant oils and, um, and we're using that for healing. We're not adding extra crap to it. You know, it's, it's pure in its purest form. And um, it's helping us to connect with nature as we are nature, as you said. So yeah. um, it's, it's just an interesting journey that I've gone on personally because, um, yeah, you know, kind of marketing something that is, you know, a lot of the products, there were a lot of bad things that were placed into those products. So moving into a much more holistic um, way of living is really, really healing um, for sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I know you're, and I know that you work in a, um, in a spiritual field as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, we have, uh, in my particular, um, team, you know, there's, I have 6,000 women there and we have a lot of women who come from a yogic background or a spiritual background, or they're, they're a practitioner of meditation or something like that. It's a really interesting space. And it's one, um, it's one that I hope to kind of crack open thought processes a little bit mm. of because what I've seen is that there are women who are working within a spiritual practice who are suffering, right? Because, mm. because historically, and even in that yogic tradition, it has been very much about um, being satisfied with, with everything that we have and that we don't need more. It actually in some ways ties very together, very closely together with that you don't need money but let's say you don't need abundance you just need love right yeah, it kind of very closely mimics that mm. and so if we go back those hundreds of years and now and now um skip to today where you know i'm in melbourne and there's a lot of yogi studios in melbourne at the moment i i don't know if um i've had a i interviewed elena brower for my podcast once and she and i had a little bit of a chat about this about the yogic community is not only now suffering because there is so much lack but they're also fighting with each other about some of them, just general generalizing that that's huge about who get more of what, right? So it's like there are rules and stipulations about yoga teachers not teaching within five kilometers of one studio and, you know, and, and studios are opening and closing continuously because financially it's so incredibly difficult for them to keep 
um, to keep on top of everything. And so what I'm seeing and what I hope that we can move through is that similarly to some religions where we have to choose to untether some of what we've been taught from the hundreds of years of teachings and say that doesn't live here in this world where we are today and it's knowing what to untether from it. Now, in the spiritual community, there can be a kind of thought that uh, spiritual abundance, you know, to be enlightened and rich must be two entirely separate things. Mm. You cannot be rich and enlightened at the same time. Now, I believe that to be totally incorrect in my own personal experience. I believe that when you are suffering still, maybe it's because you can't pay the studio's rent or maybe because you feel like um, the new one that opened up down the road has gotten a a student of yours. You know, when you're in that state, you're actually uh, disrespecting your freedom state, right? Like if you're focused on the lack and the scarcity and the suffering, and yes, hell yes, that includes financially as well, you are actually taking away from the responsibility you have to share the light with others as well. So I want to see people in the spiritual space totally financially abundant so that they can also have their cup fullest, you know, full cup Mm. in that area of their life so that they can then share their teachings that absolutely so need to be taken to the world. Now, it doesn't have to be doTERRA. Um, However, I suppose in this model, what I want to share with that spiritual community is that for me, I found everything that that worked for me and, and that I know works for so many other incredible leaders, both in the spiritual world and also um, just regular, you know, women and men, um, which is that the morals and the, and the mission and the vision of the company is so great. But what I want to inspire everyone to consider, and yes, those in the spiritual community who have so much to give, but who are really struggling in many areas right now, I want to ask them to untether from that generational pain that we've created through suffering and understand that there is a new paradigm. Things are changing in 10 years or 20 years time. The way the corporate business works is no longer going to look the same. We're going to see people doing more consulting and less Monday to Friday hours. It's shifting Mm. in our favor. Now we need to untether ourselves from uh, the, the centuries of suffering and to step into a new, to be okay with going something new, a little bit of a change. Mm. Yes. And saying yeah. yes to that mm. and saying yes to that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cause it's so easy, you know, I, I've, I've noticed within the community as well, you know, this kind of feeling of fear related to there's not enough to go around. Oh, you know, there's not enough, um, there's not enough customers, you know, there's, there's, there's not enough money. There's not enough this, there's not enough that. And it's like, and, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's a complete contradiction to then also the, the message that, you know, and the reason why, you know, you probably set up a, a, a yoga studio in the first instance is that, you know, if it's aligned with the spiritual side, then it's, it is about this love, but like what you're saying, it's like, why can't both coexist, you know, the, the abundance and the love. And that, it, there's, um, you know, the Peter Kelly book um, that I've been reading recently, you know, and she's very much about, you know, like there is, there's no, um, why, why do we limit ourselves in terms of our abundance? Why do we say that, you know, I can't have that because there won't be enough to be around, to go around. It's like, there isn't a limit to that. And the only limit is what we're saying. Now, I have by no means cracked this at all, but I really do feel that 
that there yeah. is this, this infinite abundance and 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 it's basically working on ourselves to to change that way of thinking and you know as well more than more than anything that if you have the idea that um I don't like, I speak to women quite a lot who are like, I don't want that amount of money. I just want this amount of money. And the amount of money that they Mm. choose is the average, right? It's not even going to take them into freedom. It takes Mm. them to just, to just paying the bills. And I just cannot fathom that because if you, because that mindset sets you up for, for that exactly. Mm. Right. And so I think it's, it, it is, it's, it's actually getting comfortable with throwing your arms out metaphorically and Mm. and being like, I want it all. Like I want it all. I want to feel safety and security and freedom. And look, something that I now know from exact literal personal experience is that Mm. I grew up with nothing, you know, like I just said, like we were left in school in afford excursions. And now my husband and I are finding ourselves in, um, through gosh, through years of hard work. Let me tell you, like Mm. I'm, I put in what I get out, but finding ourselves in a space of financial freedom and abundance and, and, and with, you know, more please, thank you. Or thank you more, please, whatever you want to say, but it's, but it's happening and it's coming and we're experiencing that now because we have, we already had great values, great morals and a really strong vision for something more than us, you know, um, we like for me, my dream with my financial abundance is everything I buy is organic. Everything I put in my kids' mouths mm. is organic. And I just want to be able to go to a nice restaurant and, and buy a new sneaker. Like I am not a materialistic person, you know? So mm. at the moment we are beginning to have those conversations around what does that mean? How can we serve more when we have this in the world? Um, and you know, I'll, just as you know, I can say that knowing that hardship that I felt as a child, uh, there is a feeling I have inside me that probably is indescribable, but there is a safety and security that I feel within myself now that I have never had in my entire life. And yes, that's financial. So I can just flat out say that, mm. you know, knowing we're going to be okay, knowing mm. that we have a legacy set up for our kids, mm. there is something in that that I've never felt before. And it's in me and it's really deep. Like it comes from something in my soul probably it comes from that five-year-old girl in me who was so in so much pain and suffering you know like it, mm. it's healing a little bit money this is a root chakra it can heal and mm. I, may, I may you know a lot of people may be triggered by that but financial security mm. and money can heal yeah. and it can do so within me, but it can also do so in how we serve the world. Like one of my girls who I work with, Abby, she's amazing. She's doing, um, she's living off the rations of a Syrian, mm. um, a Syrian child this week and raising money for, for that. It's quite, she's amazing. Anyway, mm. when I saw her put her Facebook um, post up around donating, you know, to open that up and to, without even thinking, be able to choose the highest amount to donate and to just mm. click yes without just in a, a second, you know, mm, I never would have never would have been able to do that before I even had that to give. So yeah, it's incredibly important. And um, I'll just close with one more little anecdote about it is that Doreen Virtue, who of course we all know from having probably the most famous tarot cards library in the world. Mm. Um, she has got a, 
she's got a hobby farm, I think up on the Sunshine Coast somewhere, but she rescues animals um, and she looks after them there. And she has copped so much flack from people in the world for monetizing the spiritual tarot card industry. Like she should not have $28 on a deck of tarot cards. How dare she rip off the community who are just trying to learn through spiritual training. Like it's crazy. Yeah. But, but you know, she said that abundance has allowed me to purchase this land that these animals now run free of that have now been saved from this imminent and torturous and horrible death. Like it's, it's so Mm. entwined and we must get real with it. There has to be stronger, better, more loving conversations about money and what it can do and Mm. what abundance means and what that can do. And only then can we end the suffering. Like when we're in fear about it, it's not going to help anybody. It really is not. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and that's the thing. If you're in this fear place and in a lack um, mindset, then you're not serving yourself and then you're not serving anyone else. Cause like you said at the start, you know, you can't serve from that, um, that empty cup. So yeah, it's such a, it's, it's such a big um, lesson and learning and, um, you know, just, just to kind of end, is there something that you work um, in your own life with when that voice comes? Cause this is something that I'm personally working through at the moment. So it'd be great mm-hmm. to um, get your advice on this. Um, so, you know, I changed, you know, careers from, um, from, you know, the stable income, you know, the big money, all, all of those things to then kind of shifting, having some really big things slap me around the face. Um, and, um, kind of, you know, I went, I want to be in service, you know, why am I even here? You know, I want to support other people, blah, blah, blah. And, um, but then by doing that, then I found myself in a place similar to what you're saying is that, you know, financially not so stable and and these types of things. And then, you know, feeling into this whole, you know, abundance, it's limitless possibilities, all of this, I believe it. But then there's also the little voice going, you're, you're not deserving of that. You're not worthy of that, blah, blah, blah. Did you have the same sort of thing? And was there, how did you work through that? If you did. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So there, the key thing, if I think about the reasons why every day I've been able to kind of get up and keep putting one foot in front of the other is that when I was younger, I, I was never wrong. I don't know if you know someone like that, but I was never, ever wrong when mm. I was younger. I was right mm. all the time. The moment in my life where I realized that I was going to be wrong all the time Mm. and that I can actually apologize to someone Mm. and say, my bad, I made a mistake, Mm. including myself, right? Mm. So this is, and this is again, kind of very Marianne Williamson-y where you Mm. drop the, you drop anything external to blame for Mm. yourself Mm. in your life. Yeah when you are accountable to the stuff that you do and create and then the lessons that you learn, if it goes pear shaped and then the lessons that you learn, if it succeeds, Mm. then the next step you take is a more educated step. So Mm. the one thing I've continued to do is like I just said, um, you know, shared earlier that first time I launched life transformation project, three people bought it, three Mm. people like, you know, I I could have quit. And then Mm. two years later there was 300 people in it. Um, And I was new still to that too, but every day I was willing. Ah, Stephen Pressfield has a quote. He says, 
I've never invested in the stock market or taken a risk on anything outside myself. I decided a long time ago that I would only bet on myself. I will risk two years on a book that'll probably fall flat on its face. I don't mind. I tried. It didn't work. I believe in investing in your heart. That's all mm. I do, really. I'm a servant of the muse. All my money is on her. Mm. And I love that because mm. the muse is you. It's, your, it's everything inside you. And so every day I've gotten up and I've gone, what do I want? Mm. And it's not like, what do I think the world wants me to want? It's not like, what do I want? I want to save lives of children starving in Africa before I filled my own cup. Like, mm. it's, what do I want? Like, mm. not even need. Because I've yeah. got my physiological needs. I have food, I have water, I have shelter. But what do mm. I want? Mm. You know, what do I want? How, how many mistakes am I willing to get there? And how many times am I willing to put the next foot in front of the other? Yeah. Even when it feels tricky, knowing mm. that I'm going to learn something. And it's doing that every day. And to be honest, I almost found a, a, a compulsion in that, just moving forward and yeah. just making mistakes and learning. Mm. So, but. But to keep it simpler, when I'm really like, mm. um, you know, in my business, it's a sales-based business, it's a cyclical-based business. If things aren't going according to what I tell myself my plan is, mm. the way that I work it out is I walk it out. I just go for a walk right. without headphones mm -hmm. and, I, and I deliberately go into conversation with the unconscious mind and mm. literally, because you can just, and yeah. literally in one minute, you're sorted because, mm. and often, and all the times actually, I would say that I do that, especially if it involves expectations with other people, which is what we tend to allow to put us into a blocked state when we're focused on others or the wrong thing. I will always then just say like work out. Um, it always ends up coming back to me. Like I always end up, it comes back to me really, really quickly. And then I can just be like, well, this is my development. And I just say to myself, is this going to matter in, a year? No, like nothing really mm. is going to matter in a year. Is it going to matter yeah. in nine months? And I draw it back to myself as closely as I can. Mm. Is it going to matter in 60 days? Mm, probably not. We're month to month. Is it going to matter in 30 days? Well, no, we'll be in another month by then. Mm. Is it going to matter in 25 days? Maybe, but that's 20, like it's, so yeah. it's, yeah. just, it's, it's literally just because that's exposing it. When mm. you expose something, when you expose something, yeah. it's, it's like when you turn the light on, if you mm. have nightmares as a kid and there's something mm. under the bed, but you turn the light on and everything's fine, that's all it does. It just puts a light on how simple and silly we are to be blocked by our bullshit stuff, bullshit yeah. crap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know, totally. I love what you said about how you take yourself, you notice it, and then you go, right, I'm taking myself for a walk. I'm going yeah. for a walk with my unconscious mind and we're going to just work through yeah. this. Ah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Awesome. It Thank you. Always happens when I'm walking. It really mm. does. Yeah. There's something really magic about that, isn't there? Just kind of yeah. getting out of the, the walls, <laughs> the yes. box. Yeah. And then being out in the open, it, it frees something up. I don't know what that is, but it, Women are hilarious. I get so like every, every week I'm like, women are amazing. Oh, women are so screwed up. Women are amazing. <laughs> women are so screwed up. And I'm including myself in that as well. Because honestly, the things mm. that we allow to block us, like the things that we say are important are so silly when it comes down to it, you know? Um, yeah. And when we're, what we're missing out on is so magic when we mm. allow those silly things to cloud life, yeah. you know? Yeah, totally. And it's, 
Yeah, I, I've found that the most brilliant things that have happened in my life is, yeah, and, you know, this is a, you know, a common truth is when you let go, but also let go and say yes. Say yes to what I truly want without the, like, no, you can't, you know, without that voice and just say yes, no matter yes. what. Yes. Anyway, yes, yes. So, yes, um, so let's... <laughs> what do you want? So yeah, what do you want? say yes to what you really yes. want. And, yeah. yeah, everything is, is supporting that for sure. I truly believe that. And the caveat, the final caveat I have around that, I know I've yeah. chatted your ear off, is oh. that um, one of my things is, especially within this spiritual mm. space and working with women in the spiritual space, is that the law of attraction and the law of abundance is actually amazing, but you can't just sit on your ass yeah. and then again, the media, like you can't just chant yourself into that. There is going to have to be action that needs to be taken. Um, and so I'm always trying to find that <laughs> pragmatic boundary between Mercury retrograde and like just, and Nike, you know, like just do it. Yeah. <laughs> do it. You got to take action. And it's, that's what we were talking about earlier. Like you, you need to be in the work for the, um, for the, the epiphanies to hit you. They're not going to hit you beforehand. Totally, totally. Um, in in yoga, we talk about uh, in the yogic philosophy text. Um, there's this, you know, we talk about the balance between stira and sukham, and stira is strength, and sukham is like mm. ease and softness, right? So in a physical pose, it's like how can you be fully in the pose and strong, but also let go? And it's the same kind of thing where you're still moving forward, you're still progressing, but then you're not doing it with such, you know, like a crunched up forehead mm. and you know tense. You're yeah. just like letting go, but you're still moving. So, yeah. Can, yeah. I, can I ask you about that? Because I love yeah. that. What's it, what's it called again? Stira, stira yeah. and sukham. And is the way that you would do that through your breath? Would that be the num- the key way of yeah, and through the mind, the and, and yeah. through the mind. So the more the more present you are in the pose, the more you're like feeling into the pose from the inside out. And you wow. know, yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing, and then. Because you can be in a pose, you can be in like a warrior two or something and just be there thinking about your breakfast or your dinner and he said, she said, or whatever. And you're not, you're not feeling your body. But as Mm. soon as you really truly switch everything on, feel the body from the inside and then just let go, soften the shoulders and everything, that's where the magic comes through. That's the magic of yoga. Yeah. The yoke. I love that. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Well, okay. Thank you so much for a wonderful chat. I've absolutely um, enjoyed it. You're full of so much wisdom and I learned so much from you, um, you know, from listening to your podcast for the last couple of years where I've been traveling here, there and everywhere and you've been in my ear and I've loved it. I've grown so much and learned so much from you. So thank you so much, Alice. Thank you. And um, so how can people sort of find you um, online in the interwebs or even, you know, coming coming to see you at one of your classes? I'm going to direct people for classes to go to you actually, darling. So my, all my, everything on social media is all at the whole daily um, which I, do you know, I actually took down my about page a month ago. I just have had to be, I'm like, who am I anymore? <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> so until I figure it out, mm. my about page is gone, 
Um, and I'm kind of cool with that. It feels really nice and freeing. Um, mm. But, but yeah, I, I want more people to learn about natural health and well-being options and essential oils. And I would love that for them to reach out to you actually. So if you yeah. can do me a favor and drop yeah. in your contact details to the show notes that people can contact you of course. and find out more about that. Um, and yeah, I just, I want to say thank you as well for having me on this show because I, I have a tendency to ramble and I love questions and I love feeling what came through then. So yeah. thank you very much. It's an honor. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Alice. Um, have a beautiful day and I'll catch you soon. All right, darling. See ya. And that's the end of another episode. I do hope you enjoyed it and gained some new insights. You can find more info about the show and my guests by visiting my website, claire-bradshaw.com or subscribe to iTunes to ensure you don't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, please give it a rating on iTunes as this makes a huge difference in sharing the podcast and its content with more people. My dream is to create a happier, healthier, more wholesome world. And I truly believe that it starts with ourselves. So thank you for listening and have a beautiful day.